There will be some movement toward the end of this message, just to let you know. Um, some people coming in from the outside to help me and some people inside that will help me. Don't worry. If you've not been spoken to, you're okay. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. So it's exciting to minister this word this morning. Let's read the word of the Lord and then we'll pray. Second Samuel chapter 4 and verse 4. Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in both his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan's death came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and ran. And it happened as she ran that she fell and she dropped Mephibosheth. And he became lame in both his feet. Now to 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 1. Now King David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, are you Ziba? He said, I am at your service. Then the king said, is there not anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? For Jonathan's sake. And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in both his feet. So King David answered him and said, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Machior, the son of Amiel, in Lo Debar. Everyone say, Lo Debar. And then dropping down to verse 13. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem. For he ate continually at the king's table, though he was lame in both of his feet. Let's pray. Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit this morning. We honor you, sir. I ask you to speak to my brothers and sisters, even what I do not speak. Whisper into their ears what only they can hear. And those listening by podcast, we listen for the roar at the king's table this morning. The roar to come away from the creepers and the crawlers and come up where the climbers and the dreamers live. At the sound of your voice, Lord, we will respond. Speak to us. We welcome you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's a roar at the king's table. I want to read this verse to you from Isaiah 35 and 11. And the desert shall bloom and the rose shall bloom. It will bloom profusely with joy and gladness. So say to those who are anxious in heart, be strong, have no fear, your God is coming. Can you say amen? Mephibosheth's life is going to go from a place of Lodabar to a place of the wilderness blooming like a rose. Travel back with me, if you will, to 3,000 years ago to the days of the ancient dynasties and the kings of Israel. It was a brutal era when all those in the family of one king, when the next king took the dynasty, usually they would kill every descendant of the former king so those descendants could not take over the throne. All the family members of Saul's family had fled. They'd gotten up in haste and in fear, in panic, in pandemonium, and they had run He's such a sad little point of scripture when the writer tells us that this precious little boy who was five years old, this precious boy who had never done anything at five, is not, you're not usually at the age of accountability. He had done nothing to deserve this. He didn't open any doors to deserve this. He didn't ask for it. He didn't pray this happened to him. But in fear, because fear is a master weaver, Fear is a strangler. Fear is a choker. Fear is false evidence appearing real. Fear is one of those things that will make a sane man act crazy. Can I get a witness from anybody here? Lest I need to tell you of a story that I broke into a house in fear, thinking I was being stalked. But you'll have to hear about that later. Most everybody's heard that. Everyone say fear is crazy. In a moment of fear, you can imagine things that are not real, but they become real. You become completely convinced of things that you're completely wrong about. And in panic, Saul's family ran. Because we often project on others' faith what we deal with. Saul's dynasty had a bunch of bad blood. 
King David's dynasty did not. He was a man after God's own heart. I have a psychology major degree in my pocket, so to speak. And one of the things they teach you in there is about the art of projection. Meaning if I have a tendency to be jealous, I always see jealousy in you. If I have a tendency to be envious, I see envy in you. That we project on others that which we ourselves deal with. Saul's family had lived under a demoniac. Saul had been given over to evil spirits because he had disobeyed God. And he was living like a crazy man. If you're thinking, could that have happened to me? Oh no, no one in this room. Saul was in a level of crazy demonic possession. So all his people knew was that. What they didn't know was that King David came from a royal bloodline. Come on, somebody. He came from the bloodline of the tribe of Judah. But not only that, he had been picked by God because of his heart and because of his heart for God. But in that moment of fear, as Saul's family rushed, this little five-year-old boy was being carried in his nurse's arm, his nanny, if it were, and she dropped him. And he's lame, which means he cannot walk. Someone say he cannot walk. We know this by things that are stated later about him. So where he ends up living is Lodabar. He's a king's son, Jules. He has royal blood, but he's living beneath the place of heavenly dignity. He's living in Lodabar. It was the modern-day ghetto. In fact, several scholars give it this name. Lodabar was the town of forgotten people. It was the town of those that did not have people. Lodabar is where they said the unskilled, the uneducated, and the outcasts lived. That's where people went to live when they were convinced their life was over. Have you ever lived in Lodabar? I have. Come on. A mental Lodabar where you felt unskilled, unclassed, out of order, not ready. Come on, somebody. You know, things get dropped. We live in a world that has got chaos and it's void sometimes of order. And things get dropped and we find ourselves in situations we never wanted to be in. And maybe we are the ones who dropped the ball. But let me tell you something. Mephibosheth is living with royal blood in the city of those that are forgotten. But don't be discouraged. God knows where Lodabar is and God is working on a plan. Someone say God has always a plan. For 15 or 20 years we don't see it. We just know that time passed. And you think, wow, what a bunch of years of nothing. But let me assure you, most stories that we hear, we hear the highlight points. We don't hear the mundane day in, day out of believing God for that which looks impossible. We read of Deborah riding up to the mountain and telling Barak, you could have had this victory, but because you were unwilling, God is giving this victory into the hands of a woman. She wasn't speaking about herself. She was speaking about Jael, who would take a, tick, a tent stake and drive it through Sisera's head. You see, we don't see the hundreds of days Deborah sat under a palm tree, merely being faithful where God had positioned her. And let me say to you, there are going to be moments in your life and mine that we get summoned to the king's table and people are going to wonder how did you get into that favor but you need to be honest as we all need to be and say it was hundreds of days of being faithful hundreds of days with no big boom shabam baba come on somebody but when Christ calls you up you're going up in his name someone give him a hand clap of praise and over 15 years he lived in Lodabar crippled he could have easily made a peace treaty with his handicapped. The enemy will often try to get you to make a peace treaty with your handicapped. Meaning, you make me, uh, negotiations. You negotiate, um, I'll let you stay in my life as long as you back up on the oppression. I didn't have this in my notes and I will go a full time, just letting you know. But I remember Pastor Billy Burke, I don't know if I've shared this with you recently. But he was praying for a little boy that was completely deaf. And as he went to pray for him, he was sharing this on the family, Pastor Hank and I. As he went to pray for him, he heard the enemy whisper. Yes, in a moment of divine anointing, he heard the enemy whisper, if you will back off of me, I will back off of you. 
I will lessen the spiritual warfare. I will make things so much easier for you. And Pastor Billy said as his hands, fingers were going toward the little boy. And you can see all this recorded on live television. As it was going toward the little boy, all of a sudden he screamed out. He hesitated for a second, but then he screamed out. No deal, devil. No deal. He put his fingers in the little boy's ear, and the boy instantly went to hearing. Someone give Jesus praise. But what we need to do is say to the enemy, I'm not making a peace treaty with you. Worry, I'm not going to make a peace treaty and tell you you can live in my life for the rest of my days. Depression, I'm not making a peace treaty with you. Addiction, I'm not making a peace treaty with you. Low-level living, you see Lodabar is living beneath dignity. It's a place of low thinking. It's a place of low living. It's a place where we think things will never get better. I'll have to live like this forever. This is my cave. Surely, this is what the unspiritual would have said if they had seen Mephibosheth. Michael, if I had been a spin doctor living in Lodabar on Fox News, I would have procrastinated. That's not the word. Prognostic. Whatever that word is. I would have predicted that Mephibosheth's life was over. Wouldn't you? You've lived lame for 15 to 20 years in this place where the ghetto is. You've lived with no hope of tomorrow. Mephibosheth. Things will never change for you. You see, he couldn't remember the palace. He was too young. But I'm sure that his nurse told him, Gail, this is what life was like in the palace. It was not like it is now, Mephibosheth. He was not this low-level living. It was not living in this place that's forgotten, in this desert place. It was a beautiful place. Mephibosheth, you can't remember because you grew out of them. But when I grabbed you and ran with you, you were clothed in the most beautiful garments. Let me remind you that you can't really remember what it was like before you came to the earth. I'll just leave that right there. But let me tell you, you came from God's presence. You came to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. And you and I have got to put on the garments that First Peter 2 and 9 says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a people that are called out of darkness into his marvelous light someone give Jesus praise come on somebody give Jesus praise but see Mephibosheth didn't know that his daddy had made a covenant with David out in the field one day they made a covenant that's where you'll hear this term a lot but this is where a covenant this is where a covenant came from Mizpah and they made a covenant that they would be good to each other's descendants. Jonathan said, promise me, swear to me. And David swore, and he made a covenant. God has covenant love for everyone in this building. Regardless of what you look like, regardless of what you sound like, regardless of your past jewels, regardless of your feelings, Chris, God has made covenant. One of the words for covenant is ahava love. And ahava love means, Jesus, I love you so much. That wherever you are, that's where I want to be. If you call me here, I love you. I will be here wherever you call me. And that's the covenant that David and Jonathan had made. If Mephibosheth had known that, he would have said every day, this may be my present, but I'm coming out of Lodabar, and I'm somehow going to get back to the palace. You may question it. You may wonder it. And when you're going through a trial, when you're going through a hard time, even your BFF may say, as they did to me back in my past they may say I see God's calling on you but I can't figure out how God would use a divorced person I see the anointing on you but I can't figure out how you'll ever preach or even marry to a preacher what they forgot was there was a covenant made between Jesus and God Jehovah at Calvary and that covenant called you and I in and that covenant tells us that every season don't you settle in Lodabar God has has something greater and mightier and more powerful hallelujah give him praise and there'll come a moment Garrett when Jesus will really get you that moment may have already come but I remember a class Chris Vernon I took music survey at Lee University it was a class you took for an easy A everyone knows going in freshman everybody's like okay this is your easy A this is gonna be your difficult B but this is your you got to get some easy A's the upperclassmen always spread that word down so I took it Actually, I made the mistake of taking it with a comrade or someone that had taught my mom. 
His name was Roosevelt Miller. He's gone on years ago. A great man of God. And, um, but you would sit there, but I was usually sleepy. My freshman year's faith, I was busy. I know everyone thinks I'm so disciplined, but oh my Lord, I was so far from disciplined and all my classmates would tell you. We were running around having a great time, not doing anything bad. We were enjoying the Lord and visiting. And I'd go into music survey, usually about 8.20, late, come to the back of the class with hot chocolate. Don't take hot chocolate to a class in the morning because you're going to go into a coma. Can I get an Amen. Before I drank caffeine in the morning. And I would go in there and every morning he'd just talk about, he was precious. Music, this, and then I'd wake up take a note and all you had to do is memorize that and then you, you passed. I did, I get an A in there. But one morning, someone say one morning. Roosevelt, I was on time that morning. Somehow God got me there. And he had a big grand piano because he loved to sing and he loved to write. And he sat down at that piano before he said anything. And he began to play, and he had such an anointing as he tickled those ivories. The anointing just moved so strongly in that room. And he began to sing with his beautiful voice, Follow thee is my desire. I will follow thee. Through the cold or fire, I will follow thee. If it be over the mountain or if it be up into the sky, whether thou goest, dear Lord, I'll go. I will follow thee. I remember by the time he was done, I was a mess. Tears were streaming down my face. My heart was hurting. Oh, I'd been saved a long time, filled with the Holy Spirit. But I was in one of those seasons where Jesus really didn't have me. And I know everyone in the class must have said, oh, sleepy Rhonda with the hot chocolate girl has now tapped into class toward the end of the semester. And I'm just sobbing. It's a wonder I didn't give out a message or something. But I'm just sobbing and sobbing. And I knew in that moment, though I didn't have the particulars, but that he had me. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know he would heal my marriage. I didn't know he would ask me to be a preacher. I didn't know I would travel foreign soil. I didn't know, but most of all, I would serve in a local church. But I knew in that moment that I have Jesus and that he had me. It's funny how God will set you up thinking you're going to sleep with hot chocolate in an easy A and just show up and bam. Someone say, God is God. But Mephibosheth could have built a memorial to days in the past. He could have just lived off the of memories of the palace. But I have to believe that deep down inside of him, something said, Mephibosheth, you were born for greater than this. Let me tell you, people that don't know Jesus may hear that voice, but when you hear that voice, it's Jesus. It's the Spirit of God saying, don't you dare settle. Don't you dare settle for a consolation prize. Don't you dare settle for half a measure of victory. Don't you dare settle for something to just prop you up. Something inside is saying, I want to give you a testimony. Mephibosheth saw no way God could have fulfilled this plan, but something inside of him kept rising up. His daily realities probably brutally framed it like water poured on a, on a little fire, snuffing out those hopes. And I want to submit to you this morning, you may be there. I've been there and I still get there where hope just rises up and you just believe for something great. And it's just like f water is thrown on your fire. Can I get a witness? And then you just say, oh, no, no, just forget that. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. When that voice says they're greater coming to you, oh, it may not be the way you think it's going to look. It may not be the direction, Josh Castleberry. But I'm going to tell you when the Lord says it to you, you need to say, I hear the voice of the Lord. The roar is calling from the king's table. And I refuse to live forever in Lodabar. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. In seasons of no change, in seasons of low debar, in seasons of low living, when nothing is happening, in the cave of I've been forgotten, but I'll be okay, don't you stay there. In the cave of nothing special it seems to be carrying out in my life, so I'll just resign myself for anything special. I must be in that category of people that didn't just get what God was giving people. I get so mad when I hear that out of people's mouths, probably because I've battled it a lot in my life. But in those moments, the faithful are not forgotten. Mephibosheth is from royal blood. His handicap, his inconsistency does not disqualify him. And sometimes you'll think, don't give me a morsel of hope, Nicole. We'll say that I've said that. Oh, don't give me a morsel of hope, Lord, as I'm, I'm tucked away in this cave. 
meaning that I'm just, you know, going to deal with life the way it is and never hope for anything better. Someone throws you a little crumb, you come out to get it, only to find yourself there again with hope deferred makes the heart sick. But I want to tell you, hope can be delayed in situations, but hope is never deferred when your hope is in Jesus, who God says the yes and the amen is in Christ Jesus. Someone give him praise this morning. God was orchestrating a plan, Matthew. God was moving the heart of a king named King David. God was mindful of Mephibosheth. Maybe Lodabar was forgotten by man, but Lodabar was not forgotten by God. Psalms 139 says, If you make your bed in hell, I will come knocking on your door. If you are in darkness, that's okay because the darkness is as light to me. Every time I get a little afraid in the darkness, I remember when I can't see a thing. My God says that darkness does not look dark to me for I am the light. If you ascend to make your bed in the heavens, I will come, says the Lord. There is no place that God is not aware of. Someone say amen. And there he was in Lodabar. But there was a roar coming from the king's stable. God is a great coordinator. He makes a travel agent look lame. God is orchestrating Mephibosheth's rise out of Lodabar to the palace. But no one can see what he's doing. I used to love what Bishop Jake said. When your kids are quiet, get scared because they're doing something. When you can't hear a noise, they may have just wallpapered you all. They may have just colored you. One time, anointed, awesome woman of God, Courtney Davis, flush seashells down the commode. I went running. I could hear them going all the way down the pipes. She was just a little bit quiet. Can I get an amen? Now she understands that. It all just comes full circle. But here we come. God is often quiet, but God was coordinating to take him to places he never dreamed. May I present to you by the power of the word, though I cannot fill in the details, that God is coordinating for every son and daughter of the Most High God to take us to places we could have never dreamed, to make arrangements and turnaround and promotions that we could have never seen. I loved when I went to New York City, um, one of the times I went with Joni, I've gone several times, she has a producer who actually coordinates and sends me all the stuff when I'm going on the show. Adore her. Jenny Gardner, if you listen, I adore you. She's just awesome. She knows New York City like the back of her hand. She knew every time to get a taxi, every time when we would be at this moment, where we were going to eat at that moment. She was always ahead of us. I told her she must not have slept. She was in her own room, but she knew it. She was a great coordinator. I went to London with Kathy Payne to preach in Manchester. Gone there a couple of times. But when we went into London, she said, we're going to see London in a day. And someone said, there's no way you can see London day. Oh, you can if you're with Kathy Payne. Because we got up. If you don't know Kathy, she is the preacher extraordinary general in the faith. One of my best friends. And I need to get her back here to preach. But we, she said, what time we'd get up. And then she had real long hair then and mine was a little bit longer and the people traveling with us as we went down you have to go down like I don't know Chris will probably remember like eight at one place in the underground you have to go like eight escalators down and back up and people said they just kept looking for our hair whipping in the wind because we were going that fast we ran into the queen's crown we went to the theater we went to eat and by the time we got home at about midnight I just fell on the bed but I knew if I was ever going to go back to London and I could pay Kathy to go with me she knew how to coordinate a trip she knew how to put things in a trip that you could see everything you wanted to see and more than that well let me tell you something God is the greatest coordinator of all time and why he owns the morning and the dawn and the e dawn and the evening sun and he owns every 14 1440 minutes of every day say amen he owns it all Everything came from him. Everything will return to him. He owns the one called Lucifer till he binds him up at the end of time and dismisses him for all ever into a pit. He owns the beginning of this universe. He owns the end of it. He owns the rebirth of it when it will emerge as a city coming down from the heavens. He owns this day. He owns it all. How does he control the cosmos without consulting the smart 
scientists and those who encrypt the codes and those who are vast intellects when they discover things. Is he surprised? No, because he created everything that is and no discovery will ever freak him out. He owns every politician, every Satanist. He has his thumb on side. Every atheist, every Muslim, every Hare Krishna, every judge, lawyer, courtroom in the land, every boss, every potentate, every king. God owns everything because everybody got their breath from him. Give him a praise and give me a moment to breathe. We say, how did he get elected without my vote? Because he didn't need your vote. He owns time until one day he will dismiss it when it is done serving his purposes. He owns all things. And the Bible says in Psalms 84 and 11, the Lord God is a sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. And no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. James 1 and 17, every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father who does not change like the shifting shadow. Someone say amen. Give God a praise, if you will, one more time. David is going to remember his covenant. David is in a time, and I'm going to say this on purpose. David is in a time of great success. Don't ever forget in great success those who helped you to get there. But if you happen to be one of those, and we will all journey here. I'm sorry, but it will happen. It has happened, and it will happen. That forget. Who's going to take care of you? Single mama, who's going to take care of you? Single daddy, who's going to take care of you? To the resident strong ones in the room and those listening by podcast, you often say, I'm the nurturer. I'm carrying most of this load in my office, in my corporation, in the place that I work, in my home. David was the king, and he was taking care of everybody, Mephibosheth. And sometimes we can say, who's going to take care of me? Listen to what Hebrews 6 and 10 says. God is not unjust that he would forget your labor of love. For he is just that he will reward you and your work will be rewarded. Isaiah 48 and 18, such a beautiful scripture. It says, if you will hearken unto his commandments, then your peace will be like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Why is that so beautiful? As the Lord stands, if it were, on the shore of eternity. Waves come before him upon his beautiful bronzed feet. And those waves are the righteous acts of his children. Those who say, you know what, God? I may feel like in this season of my life, I'm taking care of everybody else. But I know one thing. As I take care of them, you are going to take care of me. I know as I do acts of service and wonder if anyone notices, I know you, Lord, are keeping the charts and the graphs. I don't look to man to reward me. I don't look to man to applaud me is what we should say. I don't look to man for accolades, but I look into the heavens because I'm going to tell you something. President Trump wants to send a million down here for recovery. Bring it on. But I serve someone higher than President Trump. You know what? My state governor, Haslam, he loves to do work for the recovery. If he wants to send a thousand down here, send it on. But guess what? I'm divinely connected. You are divinely connected to the one who holds the world in his hands. And if you're looking for promotion, if you're looking to be remembered, don't look to mankind. Be the servant. Because servants always get taken care of. In the book of Jeremiah, when Jeremiah gets thrown into that pit and Ebed-Melech goes and pulls him out and Ebed-Melech takes care of him and goes before the, the king of the uh, heathen country, it's says that God says to Ebed-Melech, he was just a slave. And God says, because you stood up for my prophet, because you stood up and did acts of service. That means to anyone, not just doing an act of service for a prophet. He said, when hell comes down to this country, I, the Lord, will spare you and your family. So let me ask you, would you rather the president or a potentate take care of you? Or would you rather the Lord say, you are my servant and I know how to take care of you? Somebody give God praise this morning. Josh, if you would come and play for me, please. Years have passed. We're going to set some music to these last 15 minutes or so. Years have passed and King David is successful. And he's overwhelmed by the Lord's goodness. 
And all of a sudden he says, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness for? Jonathan's sake. Everyone say, he said. It's not like he said, but he said. It's, it's a Hebrew. And it means mercy, loving kindness. I was sharing with the girls about the different ways of love, and I was using my parents as a demonstration of hava agape love because they're in their 80s, and my dad, Alzheimer's has now gone to another phase, so we've had to start taking turns and helping him even more. And helping him at night put my mother to bed. My brother and I rotate every other night. My sister lives in Louisiana. And I was telling the girls, if you're going to look for someone, look for someone that will love you when you have Alzheimer's. Look for someone who will be so gentle and beautiful and holy. As my sister said on the phone the other day, sis, it's just too much. I said, sis, it's not. I will never regret this. 2840 will not always exist, or my parents either. I saw my husband give of himself 100%. I will be there, but I wouldn't miss the holy moments of now being in more inside the veil, of preparing her for nighttime with the baby and all that goes on, and to see the tenderness and the kindness. And there's just a few moments here and there. The other moment I was, the other night I was singing to my mother, Peace, Peace, she loves that song. No, no words are intelligible. She immediately, she's like a harmony queen. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. She came from a singing family. And she immediately, she'll find the high and the low within seconds. And she found both and chose her part and just hummed. That's the kind of ahava love that says, I love you. I will be with you no matter what. I love you like that. That's a picture of the love that David and Jonathan, the covenant they had made. Nothing else about that they both had their wives but it was a covenant love that we even make with friends and he says is there someone I can show kindness to he remembered the covenant is there anyone still living in the family of Jonathan of Saul that I can show grace toward of the grace that's been given to me you wonder why this church and so many other churches as well work so hard to give back because we just want to give people what he gave us in the beginning I love the question for what it does not ask. Christine, it does not ask, is there anyone deserving? Is there anyone deserving from the royal line of Jonathan? Is there anyone qualified from the royal line? That's how we think kings talk. That's not what this king said, and that's not what that king says. Is there anyone sharp? Is there anyone in good shape? No, it's a question dripping with grace. Everyone say grace. Is there anyone out there? And what you know is that when Ziba comes forth, I already read this. You can hear the no in Ziba's response. Uh, I know someone, but I don't think you want him. He's crippled. I mean, he made sure he threw in. He's crippled in his feet. So King might want to think twice about bringing him in here because he's crippled. Have you seen how bad he's crippled? No, King David didn't even know of him. But King David does not respond with, wow, how crippled is he? How much is it going to cost me? I mean, are we going to have food? Who's going to take care of him? Is he going to embarrass us at the dinner table? Is he going to smell? How poor is he? No, he just says, I want him. I want him. As if the servant is saying, Mephibosheth is living somewhere you don't want to go. But I want to tell you something. A call comes from the throne room of heaven. A roar comes, the same roar that called Elijah out of the cave from the lion of the tribe of Judah. Someone say the lion of the tribe of Judah. David came from the same line of Judah, but Jesus is the lion. But as the lion from this, the roar from this lion called Elijah out of the cave, called Moses out of the wilderness, called Esther out of complacency, called Gideon from hiding in the fields, called David out of the field, called Peter out of the boat, and called Saul out of his sin and made him Paul in the New Testament. This roar comes to you and I this morning saying, come up out of low debar. Come out of low thinking. Why are you limiting yourself? Why are you limiting yourself? Why are you restricting your possibilities? Why are you accepting half measure? Come and get my perspective. Come out of the low level of thinking and living and come 
You see, as Mephibosheth came, he had to remain anonymous. But now God gives him a name and brings him in there to the very scene. I've got good news for you. Mephibosheth was worried that David meant to harm him. But as Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you what? Plans to give you what? Hope and a future. Jeremiah 33 and 13 says, That day is coming, says the Lord, that I will do you all the good. Don't miss the overall message of grace in this message. He's wanting to show kindness, not for Mephibosheth's sake, but for Jonathan's, the way God does to us. You can just imagine Mephibosheth comes in. You can imagine the fear. He comes in and he bows before the throne. They bring him in with help. And as he bows, you can imagine what he might have been thinking. He's going to kill me. It's the end of my life. I'm crippled in both my feet. And the king said, are you Mephibosheth? And he says, I am. Here he is welcomed to the king's table. Here he is. And as he comes and he bows down, the king says, I welcome you. And Mephibosheth says these words. What do you want with a dead dog like me? You see his thinking? But God got him there and got him to the king's table. At that table was seated the great Joab, the great warrior who's coming out now, who comes as one who's been killing people with his own hand. He's served with King David. He's a mighty man of valor. And he comes as the dinner bell rings and sits at the king's table. After him comes the beautiful Tamar, a daughter of the king, a princess, Raised in greatness, raised to reign, she comes looking beautiful. She's been trained by the best. While Mephibosheth is living in Lodabar, she had the best teachers and the best scholars. She sits at the table. I'm sure Mephibosheth is looking through the curtain because the king said, You will sit at my table continually the rest of your days. And I'm sure he's thinking, I can't go up there. But then comes out the beautiful Bathsheba. The queen of Israel, David's beloved wife, and she comes. Bathsheba comes out, and she comes to sit at the king's table. And as she comes, robed in royalty, robed in glory, she comes to sit at the king's table. I can only imagine Mephibosheth thinking, I can't even look her in the eye. She's so beautiful and royal. She's been groomed by all the princesses. I can't, I can't even, how am I going to sit at the table, much less look her in the eye? I'm, I'm outclassed. I'm undignified. I'm not worthy. I can't sit there. But then as it were to top it all up, King David himself enters the dining room. King David who was raised like a shepherd. King David who was raised to rule and reign in Israel comes and takes a seat at the king's table, I can only imagine what Mephibosheth is thinking. And watch this. As the dinner bell rings and it takes him longer to get in here with his shuffling feet. It takes help to get him to the table. We don't really use a Mephibosheth because we, we don't want to demean the part. But as Mephibosheth comes and makes his way to the table... I imagine he was like those people that approached Solomon's temple or like you and I when we go to do something that God's called us to do or we go to worship or we, we go to stand. I've been here so many times and we know God is calling us and we get ready to ascend if it were whatever stage, not literal, but wherever the Lord has called us. And as we go, all of we think like when you walked up Solomon's temple, there was 12 steps. And every time you went up, you probably thought, I'm not good enough. I'm not called enough. I'm not blessed enough. I'm not up to this. But the beautiful thing that at the top of the 12th step going into Solomon's temple were two lion heads, which me symbolically represent the lion, the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah that says to your inadequacy, says to your fear, says to your doubt, says to your depression, says to your past, get back. That one belongs to me. I have called them with my own roar. 
They are my sons and daughters. Step back and let them take their place. Somebody give the Lord a better shout of praise. And I'm sure little Mephibosheth made his way holding onto the chairs. Boy, oh, how I can't understand this. Thinking, I don't, I don't think I got what it takes. I don't, I don't know how I'll sit here. I don't know how I'll even look anybody in the eye, so I'll just be quiet. I'll just be super quiet. Maybe I'm invisible. Maybe no one will see it. Notice I'm here. That's what Lodabar does to you. That's what days of the cave do to you when you've gone through a trial or a hard time or just maybe years of not seeing a lot of breakthrough. And you think, I'll just eat quietly and I'll find a reason not to come back tomorrow night. I'll find a reason not to sing that song they asked me to sing. I'll find a reason not to teach children's church. I'll find a reason not to help at Esther. I'll find a reason not to help at Cleveland. I'll find a reason not to be an usher. I'll find a reason not. I just can't if they, if they knew me. Because you see, you could see Mephibosheth's crippled feet. But the bad thing with most of us, only us, only we ourselves see our crippling. Can I get an amen? Only we ourselves see our weakness, that which cripples us. That which has become a part of us. We think, I'll just, if I can just get through this, I'll never, oh, I've done that. I've I, I, I preached to some big platforms. I'll just get through this. I'll, I'll never accept another engagement the rest of my days. Jesus, help me. I'll, I'll never do this again. God, just help me this one time. Get me through it. Get me through it. I'll never do this again because that's load of our thinking. Now, fortunately, the Lord always pulled me up by the end. But I want to assure you, dear brothers and sisters, if you think all of us come to the table like this, we don't. Most of us come like this. Can you say amen? Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. But what he didn't know, if you'll bear with me, we need, I need about 10 more minutes. Joab looks strong and valiant. Joab, he stood for the king. He slaughtered the enemies. He took, he was a resident strong one. He took the, the heat when no one would take the heat. He took the fight when no one would take the fight. He stood, he did what he had to do. But what Mephibosheth couldn't see that inside, if I could grab Joab's hand, I would. Inside was a little boy. A little boy who'd had his own doubts. A little boy who had clay feet. A little boy who had his own fears. A little boy who was facing his own inadequacies. You see, if he could have seen inside of the beautiful Tamar, he would have known she had been horribly violated. She had been betrayed. It took all she could do to sit at the table. She just hid it better than other people. Let me assure you, in life, in your calling, in your ministry, some just look easier than others, but all face the bottle of clay feet and humanity. If he had looked at King David and Bathsheba, what he didn't know is this start was horrible. This start was not holy. They lost a child over this start. Because of the wrong actions. A man was murdered because of this start. If he had known what they had faced. But he also would have had to have known the second part. One of those beautiful verses in scripture. Listen to me for somebody. Because they lost their first baby. Because it was conceived in a horrible way. And God just took the little angel home. But let me tell you something. Bathsheba and King David. After they were properly married. This is so beautiful. God gave them another child. And there's such a beautiful statement. God names the child Jedediah. And it said the Lord loved Jedediah so much. What God was saying is, there's always a second chance. If you feel like you failed me some way, let me assure you, I will bring out of the very place you felt despondent, and I will bring forth a Solomon, because Jedediah's name was also Solomon, and he ruled in glory, and he built the temple. So you might feel like a David and Bathsheba in your own life, but God says to you, I will give you a second and a third chance, 
and you may have thought I didn't love what you birthed in the time of your weakness or the time of your past but you will see that I the Lord will birth something great and mighty somebody give Jesus a praise in this house come on somebody give Jesus a praise the fifth shift thank you kings and queens a roar comes from the king's table Aurora comes calling Michael Brown to come and sit at the king's table. Michael, who someday will share his story, I've asked him at Celebrate Recovery. But today all I will say is just like you and I, he has suffered, he has overcome. He is a single dad raising his daughter to be a modern Esther. Welcome Michael Brown to the king's table. Come on somebody. Come on somebody. Come on somebody. Today, I'd like to welcome beautiful Miranda Keel to the king's table. Would you give Miranda a hand clap of welcome? Miranda, Miranda, who is six months clean and has a beautiful seven-year-old. And today, she is seated at the king's table. For such a time of this, she's been called out of addiction into his marvelous light. Someone give Jesus praise. I'd like to call to the king's table, Kayla Bill. Will you come, Kayla? We want to welcome Kayla right now. Come on, somebody. Nine months clean, two children, a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and she's coming to the king's table. She is celebrating today being clean, being glorified, and being blessed to sit with God's general. Would you welcome her one more time to the king's table? I'd like to welcome Devin Morrison to the king's table. Would you welcome Devin Morrison as she comes? Devin didn't dream when she was little that she would have to raise her children by herself during this season. But that's where she is. But you know what? Devin is saying, I'll be faithful where I am. I'll raise my two glorious Esthers in the fear of the Lord. And they will not walk in the iniquity of anyone before them. But they will be raised in glory and power and majesty. When she's overwhelmed just like Michael, she looks to her rock and whom she has put her faith in. Welcome, Devin, to the king's table. I'd like to finally welcome Jean Cantrell to the king's table. Would you give Jean a welcome today? Come on. Come on. Jean, you've heard his story. He's celebrating being clean right here, Jean, being delivered. He is celebrating. Go ahead and sit down, Mr. Jean. He is celebrating being upright. This is who is worthy of sitting at the king's table, raising eight children with a family. He is going to be great in the kingdom, and we declare he is going to be a modern-day king at the king's table. Would you give the Lord Jesus praise? Now, let me tell you. Someday, we are going to sit at a long table like Revelation 19 and 1, we will sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb. If you've ever seen a pictorial view of it, it's a table that goes on and on that even Susan Vernon couldn't decorate. It goes on and on and on. It holds generations, time spans. It's all the redeemed of Jesus Christ, and they will sit at this table together. You'll look down to the left, and you'll see Queen Esther. And you'll think, how did I get here? You look down to the right and you'll see Moses way down there. And he'll wave, hey, hey, read about you. You'll look down the other way and you'll see prophets. You'll see Abraham. You'll see great men and women of God from the beginning of time seated at the king of kings table. And you, like Mephibosheth, when the tablecloth comes down on your feet, you will think, how did I ever get here? You got there and I will get there because of the king 
of glory, the Son of the Almighty God. His name is Jesus. And he took the biggest and most horrendous dropping that ever had happened. He was dropped at Calvary when the nails went into his hand. He was dropped at Calvary when the thorn went into his head. He was dropped at Calvary when he bore the stripes upon his back. He was dropped at Calvary when they put him up on that cross. Listen to this. Oh, grace brought you Jesus from heaven. Grace stripped you of your glory. Grace made you poor and despised. Grace made you bear such burdens of sin and of sorrow, such burdens of curses that are unspeakable. Oh, Son of God, grace in all your tears. Grace came from every word of your sweet mouth. Grace came flowing out of your blood. Grace came out where the whip beat you, almighty King of glory. Grace was in the thorns that pricked you. Grace was in the nails that pierced you. Here is grace indeed, the kind of grace to make angels wonder, the, cry, the kind of grace to make sinners happy, and the kind of grace to astonish devils. Let me tell you, Christ calls us with our dysfunction, our disabilities, our heartbreaks, our weaknesses, and says, rise up out of Lodabar. Come and sit with me rise to a dignified place all over this house i want you to stand y'all just stay where you are i want you to stand and put your hands together for the king of glory come on right where you are hallelujah jesus hallelujah jesus hallelujah jesus so as i prepare to pray over you listen this is what he told that roar comes from the line of the tribe of Judah. It was the roar of King David that backed off Mephibosheth's insecurities. It's the roar of the tribe of Judah, Jesus, the Son of Almighty God. He roars against every enemy. He roars against fear. He roars against inadequacy and insecurity. He's saying, come out of low thinking. Come out of settling things and making peace with that addiction, making peace with, this is the way life will be, I'll just live with a half measure. Some of you, it was people that spoke over you that caused you to live in Lodabar, says the Spirit of the Lord. Some of you just gravitated toward that kind of thinking because of your DNA. But Jesus Christ is among us, and He is alive by His Holy Spirit, and He is speaking to us today. Shake that off. You were made for the King's royal service. You were made. You will not be unclassed. You will not be unskilled. You will not be unworthy because of the king. Would you just lift hands to heaven with your eyes closed and let me pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, thank you for your reckless love. Thank you for your reckless love. Chases me down when I'm the only one in the 99 I've found. You chase me down like Mephibosheth. You seek me out. You find me. You search for me. Holy Spirit, when we are hidden in caves as the children of God, when we have accepted less measures, when we should be ruling in authority, you roar. Come to my table. Rule from my place of position. You come looking for us. There's no mountain too tall. There's no wall you will not knock down. You come with your reckless love. Like you did for Mephibosheth. Hallelujah. Right now, Lord, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to do an